Welcome to a Tech Moment on Cannabis Tech. I'm your host, Christina Etter. In this podcast, we take just a few minutes to talk about some of the exciting science and technology that's happening across the cannabis and hemp industries. And we also keep our finger on the pulse of the hemp and cannabis markets. So now as we're starting to put 2020 behind us, I've asked Julie Lerner, the CEO of Pan Exchange, to join us today to discuss her hemp market insights from 2020 and her predictions going into 2021. So welcome back to the show, Julie. We are so happy to have you here to help us kick off the new year. Thank you so much, Christina. I'm really happy to be here and looking forward to our chat. So in December's report, I, I found it fascinating. I, I thought the, the report was had so much great information in it, but it kicked off with this letter from you. And I want to read your opening statement because I just absolutely loved it. And you said, this time last year, the Pan Exchange team took every opportunity to tease me whenever I used the expression, the tail wagging the dog. I was referring to the pie in the sky forecast for the US addressable market for CBD. Now, obviously you tend to have a more realistic perspective on on the industry so talk to me a little bit about that perspective and kind of what's what's behind this opening letter sure so um that that's one thing that curiously hasn't changed the december report is our second annual kind of a state of the industry where are we at in commodity fundamental terms as in what is the real supply what is the real demand and the letter goes on to say, you would never quote the wheat market in terms of bags of flour at Safeway. So, so why are we still quoting in the second year? I understand in the first year, we had nothing to go on. So let's try to gauge this in terms of consumer packaged goods, because arguably it's a much sexier number than, than what we're about to dive into here. Um, but we're they're still doing it this year. And as we'll also talk about, you know, a lot of these estimates have not come down. So so we're trying to keep it real for the stakeholders in the physical supply chain. You really need to know that with regards to cannabinoids, a little bit goes a very long way. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't agree more. And, and you know, it, it, there's so much more to hemp, though, too, than, than CBD. And I think that's something that, that kind of gets lost um, with, with all the hype that's surrounding you know, putting CBD in everything in this in this market right now—it's kind of crazy to me how many how many different products out there have have claimed CBD infusion. I think I even saw bed sheets, which was absolutely ridiculous to me. But uh, you know, um, I, I love that you have this more realistic perspective, and it, it's it's fun to hear about um, that that more. I don't know, a grounded view of the CBD market. And, and you're right, it is a commodity and this is something that, that is gonna change and expand as it goes. So it's it's really interesting to kind of see how this this is all kind of flushing out. And it's quite nerve wracking too, Christina, because we're the contrarian here. We're the ones saying it's not that big. It's not that, it's lucrative for some, but not all. And the farmers are getting squeezed again and, um, you know, it, it's very nerve wracking. Um, I, I hope people find our reports to be extremely valuable, even though it's not what they want to hear. Right, right. So let's talk about those, um, the, the analysis basically that was in this month's report. I thought it went really deep. And there was also an addition too with the, with the Great Plains region, correct? Is, is that news to the report? 
Yeah, we actually expanded our services quite a bit throughout the year. We now have a dozen benchmark prices and we are we were the first to market with benchmark prices in hemp. Uh, that was for cannabinoids. We had biomass in three in three regions um, and then isolate, distillate and, and crude, uh, winterized crude. We now have I mean, I'll, I can go through the list, but we have we have a total of a, of a dozen different prices. We were the first, and I think we're still the only entity that is quoting prices in uh, hemp fiber and, and grain, true hemp. Uh, we believe that long-term by volume, this is where the market's going. Um, this is your, your grains for hemp hearts, for example. It's your textiles for hemp-like cotton. I agree maybe CBD and sheets is a little bit nutty, but, but using hemp in, in lieu of cotton is, is a good thing. It's hempcrete, it's building materials. That We started quoting that side of the market. Um, you know, it is an incredibly useful plant um, and we, don't, we, we, we wanna focus on the growth of that, that market as well. So yes, Great Plains in terms of biomass, the Northeast, and, and now we also have um, the fiber and grain as I'd mentioned. So talk to us a little bit about the three scenarios and, and what, you, what, you, what your insights are basically into those different scenarios. Sure, well, in the absence of required reporting by, by both the, the growers and the processors and the consumption, we had to get creative uh, about how we can actually get an accurate snapshot in the market. So the first scenario, we use three different ways. Um, and two, two are the same ways that we used last year. The first of which is taking public data from Charlotte's Web. So much like last year and what we just spoke about with regard to COVID not really affecting sales, Charlotte's Web again this year is going to reach about $95 million in profits. Again, that's the retail shelf price, right? So we, it, we break it down um, in terms of what that means and how much distillate and how much loss and price differentials and so forth, and we back it all the way to the farm. And Christina, as afraid as we were last year, I don't remember, it was a very small number of how many acres were actually needed to get to that 95 million. This year, 57, 57 acres to get to 95 million in retail sales. Um, and, and again, the, 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 I, I encourage readers to really take a deep dive into what we're writing here. Um, because it, it, it's just a microcosm of what's happening across the supply chain. And we also build up on, uh, build the story on um, where the inventory build is happening, because I do think that that's gonna cause prices to keep falling across the board, biomass, isolate, I'm sorry, uh, isolate, distillate, and crude oil. Again, just downward pressure on that. Second scenario we used was this tail wagging the dog. Um, were these, were these third-party estimates with regard to the addressable CBD market. What's shocking to me is one of them, the one that got the biggest headlines last year. Last year they said by 2023, we're gonna go to 23 billion in sales in CBD. Um, they've lowered that I think to 16 and change. What's shocking is this year they said 4.7 billion in sales, in CBD sales. Um, that's Brightfield. Research in markets was under a billion, um, but we understand that they're actually accurately taking out anything with that, that's considered marijuana in that. And Nielsen is at 1.2 or 3 billion. Um, so 
um, again, you don't talk about the wheat market in terms of bags of flour at Safeway, right? So, but let's say you did. If even if we took Brightfield, that's the you know the 4.7 billion dollar uh, market size. I'm just reading because I don't want to make a mistake. Even if we took that, the, the entire U.S. cannabinoid market would would require only 4.4 percent of the biomass grown. That's remarkable. We've got we you know we've got to get real about this. A little bit goes a very very long way. Um, so so that's the survey too, and it's consistent with regard to a little bit goes a long way. It's what I need. We need everyone to really understand in this market. Third one, we worked with our dear colleague, Bo Whitney. He had gone out on a survey um, to growers and processors. And I think the big takeaway there was that he was consistently finding that processors were only running at an average of 42% capacity. Um, now that speaks to demand. Obviously, if, they, if there was demand for the product, it'd be flying off the shelves and they'd be at 100%. In fact, there would be the bottlenecks that everyone was worried about. And it is so, I, I'm, my hunch is that, that people were erring on the side of optimism or, or uh, positivity with that, with that production number. I think it, it's at best 42% capacity. Um, so again, we take all of that into, into play. We take the, the uh, inventory accrual from 2019 um, and then we, and then, um, clearly the pile on from 2020 and th but this is all just cannabinoid markets not speaking to fiber and grain as we as we talked about um but pretty astounding all around pretty astounding even though we cropped we chopped the um acres planted by less than half in 2020 it's still grossly oversupplied just wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting, and it definitely makes you pause and and think about the industry a little bit, and and you know consider consider things a little differently. So that's that's really interesting to hear. Yes, as I said, a little nerve wracking because we know it's not what people want to hear, and it's just shockingly the other direction. They, they, I think we kind of have to grasp this new. Um, uh, crop and and really determine where it's going to be most beneficial and and that's still you know kind of up for debate right now and it, it's going to be very interesting to see the industry grow i think in the coming years do you want to kind of give us a little bit of what your what your crystal ball says and what are your predictions for 2021 um so this is not as much of a prediction as a request uh to growers um i would ask you to please stop tolling without um, sales. Um, yes, you need to toll your product to, to um, preserve the quality and, and, and get the, you know, the extracted CBD out in, in crude or in distillate or whatnot. That's not a sale. What we've learned and what we're going to dive into here is that in, in 2019, the farmers took the biggest hit with prices tanking from July, July first, yeah, July of 2019 for six months, biomass prices fell 84%. Um, what's happening now is the majority of the supply chain ha it has gone into tolling agreements, which is great to preserve the quality of your crop. But what's but now we've got this this product that's getting stuffed in every corner. The processors are have 
uh, in certain agreements where the processor says, well, let's just profit share when I sell it, or they're giving the product back to the farmer, so it's getting stored back on the farm. Um, so as far as next crop year, it's not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. You've got to know where this stuff is going because, there, as we'll see, there's just not enough demand um, in, in the cannabinoid market for it. So I hope that the tolling agreements um, that cease to be nutty. It's just not fair to the farmer. Um, I guess also I'd, I'd like to see or I hope to see a lot of progress with on the grain side of the market um, and fiber and, and um, really seeing advances in the United States. Canada's already there, uh, but in terms of uh, helping the agrarian economy in this country with hemp. Right, right. And there's so much potential, you know, I mean, we're kind of in looking for all of these ways to um, uh, increase the economy and to recover from what 2020 has dealt out. And and I really think that, that the hemp and cannabis markets are are going to be seriously looked at in the coming year uh, or coming few years as as part of that solution. So let's really hope that you know we we start to grasp the the hemp infrastructure and really start to push some more of these hemp products and hemp replacement products out there so so we can grow this industry even more. I think that's a, a fantastic outlook for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think another thing that we saw that surprised me a little bit um, is is that uh, during COVID. Uh, marijuana sales soared. CBD, not that impressive. Um, so which to me tells me it's they're, they're clearly direct competitor. Um, and I guess the thinking is there now that the stigma is dying with marijuana and it's becoming more and more mainstream. Um, you know, why go for the decaf skim if you can have the, you know, the real deal? Maybe that's what the thinking is on that. But, but the numbers, the sales number, I think there was during COVID in Colorado alone, I saw that there was over a billion dollars in sales, um, that marijuana. Um, so, so that's remarkable. I think Rand Paul's, coincidentally, our report came out the day Rand Paul proposed 1% THC. That would most definitely help this market. Uh, 0.3 is a seemingly an arbitrary number. So um, hopefully that'll help the industry right. too. Right. It's it's fascinating, I think, to, to hear you talk about them, you talk about the hemp industry and, and being direct in competition with the cannabis industry because we really, and, and I'll tell you, I, I almost expected it to go the other direction though because of, of the way things were, you know, I felt like more of the mainstream population was more comfortable with those products that were made from hemp. But now through the pandemic, like you said, we've seen the products for legal marijuana, or the sales for legal marijuana skyrocket, whereas hemp, not so much. So again, we're going back to that whole thought is if you can, if you can, if it's legal and you can go purchase cannabis, um, you know, it, at the local dispensary, then, then what's the allure with hemp? And I, I think that's really interesting to, to kind of see that perspective and see it playing out. Mm -hmm. I do think retail CBD prices need to start coming down for this market to stay competitive dramatically. 
Well, I think there's definitely some some good stuff in the future for us. And you know, I was browsing through comments on YouTube this morning, Julie, and we've had a few questions regarding the Pan Exchange Hemp Report. And you you went over a lot of the detail of what's actually in the report. Do you want to tell us how people can go sign up for it and where they can get all this information for themselves? Absolutely, and thank you for that because what we're going to talk about here, what we're talking about here, is is pretty high level. You simply go to panexchange.com. Um, and then follow the drop down to benchmark reports and it will take you to the subscription page. Fantastic. And Julie, thanks so much for coming back on the show and, and lending us your expertise in the hemp markets and, and kind of grounding everybody, I think, is, is the thing that we want to do is realize that, that CBD is, is not the only thing that hemp provides and, and that there's, you know, there's, it's going to take some time, I think, to, to build up this market and, and to get everything in place to, to really start seeing this hemp market flourish and take off. But I hope you have a wonderful and prosperous new year. Well, thank you very much. I hope you do as well.